This is our seventh session now on Ephesians 4, 1 to 6, and it's going to be a little longer than usual. I'll just tell you that in advance, because this idea of lowliness as part of what it is to walk worthily is so fundamental to the Christian life. I, therefore, a prisoner, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthily of the calling to which you have been called with all lowliness. And that's what we're going to talk about. Father, show us what lowliness is. Show us why lowliness is so fitting for those who have been called to a hope that we have and work this lowliness in us because all of us are prone to be so proud and selfish. Have mercy upon us now and do this miracle, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the goal here is to understand why is lowliness the very first, and I would say among the deepest things that mark the heart of those who are walking worthily of our calling. And remember, we have been called. That was the act of God by which we were brought to life. And we were called to a calling, which is a great hope, the hope of your calling. So both things, the way we were brought out of death and the greatness of what we're called to constitute the sort of thing that we must correspond to when we're walking worthily. And Paul says lowliness is the first and deep effect of recognizing the nature of this call and this hope. So what I've done is scoured Ephesians and a few other places outside of Ephesians in Paul, one in First Peter, to show uh, why it is that lowliness is fitting. Lowliness is fitting. That's what worthy means. Fitting, proper, appropriate in sync with uh, our call. Lowliness is fitting for those who are called because of these eight realities, and I've got a verse to go with each one. Because our calling rescued us from hopeless deadness. For example, remember that you were at that time, and you should remember it, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's what we were called from. Or Ephesians 2, 1-3, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the courts of this world, following the prince of the power of the air in lockstep with the devil the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's what we were called out of. Shall we not fall on our faces in lowliness when we feel the force of that rescue? Number two, Loneliness is fitting for those who are called because our calling was at the price of Christ's blood. 2.13, 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, or Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So if you ever ponder feeling uppity or proud or self-assured or cocky or strident or somebody, remember, it cost God the blood of his one and only son to save us. That's how bad off we were. Number three, lowliness is fitting for those who are called because our calling required supernatural power to give us life. When we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive. That's supernatural resurrection power. And then here it is again. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. We didn't create our faith. It was a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. And I would say that means lowly. That's the negative way of saying lowliness. Nobody boasts when they realize how much power it took. Sovereign power to give us faith, to give us life. It brings us to lowliness, not boasting. Number four, our calling. Lowliness is fitting for those who are called because our calling sustains us now, though we are still falling short. Even when we're forgiven our sins, we fall short. That's the assumption behind Ephesians 4. 22, put off your old self. He's saying that to Christians. Get rid of the old ways and the old self. Take it off like a garment every morning, every night, every time you're tempted to act in the old way. And put on the new self. The assumption there is life, the Christian life, is an ongoing process of becoming what we are in Christ, which means we're falling short regularly, which means We are stabbing Christ inside with our sins virtually every day. And if that doesn't flatten us in lowliness before God, what will? Number five, lowliness is fitting for those who are called because our calling secures us everything we need as a gift. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive? Answer, nothing. Well, if you received it, why do you boast as though it were not a gift? In other words, recognizing the absolute sovereignty of God as the giver of all things when we don't deserve them, everything is a gift, will strip us of boasting and create lowliness, which is the opposite of boasting. Lowliness is fitting for those who are called because our calling provides an inheritance of all things. Now, this is counterintuitive and very important because a lot of people would say, well, if you're going to inherit the universe, you should be proud, not in yourself. In fact, it strips you of boasting in man according to the way Paul thinks. Here's what he says. This is just so, so amazing. So, let no one boast in men, 
So there it is. Boasting in men, human beings, including yourself. Why? Because all things are yours. (laughs) What an argument. The hope of your calling is that you inherit everything. Everything will serve the Christian someday, which means he doesn't have to be proud now and put himself above others. He can assume, like Jesus, a lowly condition because he's going to be given a name above every name. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So you own everything. Stop boasting. Get down. Be a lowly servant. It's just around the corner, just over the horizon, you inherit everything. Number seven, lowliness is fitting for those who are called because of the example of Christ. So I'm pointing to uh, we are called into a relationship with Christ whose example is one of lowliness. Let's see that in Matthew. We could see it in Philippians, but I'll let you look at that later. Here's Matthew. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus says, for I am meek and lowly. So those are our same two words as in Ephesians 4, 2, in reverse order, meekness and lowliness. So Christ is a model. Now, Christ had no sins. So his lowliness was not prompted by being sinful, like much of our lowliness is prompted by. He didn't have to remember that he was a stranger and far off and dead in trespasses. Rather, he chose to identify with us in our lowliness and bear our sin, which is why there's rest for our souls. He doesn't add to our burden what he does not lift by his blood. One more. Lowliness is fitting for those who are called because our calling makes clear that we are under God. We're not God. We're under God. First Peter 5, 6, lower yourselves. There's the verb form of lowliness. Lower yourselves, therefore, under the, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Every day we should, if, if not physically, figuratively, get on our knees down low and say, I am not God. I am under God. So, back to the main point. I urge you, walk with lowliness. Walk with lowliness. Because lowliness, for those eight reasons at least, is fitting. It's worthy of the power of how we were brought from deadness to life, and it's worthy of the massive inheritance of the universe that we're going to receive as the hope of our calling. So let me just read something I wrote here about what lowliness is, and we'll stop. Lowly means the person's heart is inclined to think little of himself. 
to suspect his own judgments, to regard his strength as small and his sin as great. He is prone to give others the benefit of the doubt and to be more taken up with their welfare than he is his own. He will not talk much of his own achievements since he regards them as small except to glorify Christ, and he won't seek the limelight or yearn for men's approval and applause. In short, he is so overwhelmed with the greatness of his own sin and the immensity of God's mighty and holy hand over him that nothing seems more absurd to him than that he would be self-assertive or self-confident or in any way enamored by his own distinctives or achievements. He has given up the futile craving of striving for vain glory. His great delight is to behold the mercy of God toward him in his weakness and ungodliness. His reward will be great because the last shall be first and blessed are the poor in spirit. That kind of lowliness produces a demeanor that is unflinching in its courage because of hope and unassuming and humble because of how far short we once were, still are, and how dependent we always will be.